Welcome, I'm Prudence Robertson, and this is EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. And we're gonna see people continue to know the truth because of our efforts and vote yes. On the ground in Kansas. In just two short weeks, Kansans will vote on a ballot initiative that could eliminate a so-called right to abortion in their state, giving legislators the power to advance pro-life laws. We spoke with Melissa Odin, an abortion survivor and spokesperson for Value Them Both, about their grassroots work to get out the vote. Catholics in Kansas take action. We sat down with Archbishop Joseph Nauman at his home in Kansas City. He spoke to us about how the church's efforts to support the Value Them Both amendment have been met with violence and has a message for Catholics living in pro-abortion states. Going door to door. We spent a morning in the Kansas City suburbs with canvassers from Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America. We hear about their efforts on the ground and voters themselves talk to us about their views on abortion and why they plan to vote yes on the Value Them Both amendment. Most people don't know that right now, Kansas's laws on abortion are just as extreme as New York and California. That's because there is currently a fabricated right to abortion on the books that has the power to nullify all state-level pro-life protections. Now, the Kansas legislature has introduced an amendment to erase this made-up abortion right and hopefully give the people the power to combat the abortion industry and save babies. We went to Kansas to learn more about the state of play and the importance of the Value Them Both amendment. Take a look. The first text I got was from my 14-year-old daughter who was downstairs with pro-life teens, and she said, Mom, I need to see you. And so I got to run downstairs and hug a child who never would have lived if that abortion would have been successful in ending my life. Abortion survivor and pro-life advocate Melissa Odin shared with us her reaction to the end of Roe versus Wade and how it impacts the important role she's quickly taken on in an initiative to decrease abortions in her home state of Kansas. Now that states have the ability to legislate on abortion, Kansas has become a battleground as residents prepare to vote on the Value Them Both Amendment on August 2nd. I'm really proud of the fact that Kansas has played an important role in this whole conversation of uh, the right to life of unborn children. And uh, specifically after this historic ruling in the Dobbs case, which overturns Roe v. Wade, Kansans have a really important role in reinstating uh, a series of laws. Behind me is the Kansas State Legislature, and elected officials in this state have a history of advancing pro-life legislation. But when Democrat Governor Laura Kelly was elected in 2018, she began to unravel a lot of the pro-life precedents that Kansans stood for. In 2019, the state's liberal Supreme Court ruled that Kansas's constitution allows for abortions therefore nullifying all pro-life laws and provisions that were already on the books in the states. The battlefield is here in Kansas. We knew that it would be here, and this is an important time. The people of Kansas are being fed a lot of misinformation from the abortion lobby and industry and even the media about this amendment. Uh, we see time and time again people saying it's a ban. It's not a ban. It is common sense regulation of the abortion industry. As Melissa explained, voting yes on August 2nd would allow Kansans to enact laws that prevent painful dismemberment abortions and enforce clinic regulations at abortion centers. Kansas used to have pro-life laws just like this in effect, but they have been deemed unconstitutional by left-leaning courts. 
Groups like Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America and Students for Life of America are devoting all their resources to Kansas in order to educate voters about the value of the both amendment and why it is so important to vote yes at the polls. A majority of our generation, my generation, just really think that we don't need um, abortion, you know, to, in, in order for women to succeed. And I think no women should stand alone in a post-Roe America. And that's why the Vow in the Boat Amendment is more important than ever. So to see people come together, that gives me so much hope about what's going to happen on August 2nd when this vote comes down. Because I truly believe this abortion extremism that's being pushed upon Kansas by the abortion forces isn't what Kansas wants. And we're going to see people continue to know the truth because of our efforts and vote yes. I'm here with Kristen Hawkins, president of Students for Life of America. Kristen, thanks so much for joining me. Talk to me about how Students for Life is engaging in Kansas with the Value Them Both amendment vote coming up, as well as the primary on August 2nd. Yes, uh, Kansas is an important fight for the pro-life movement. I think a lot of folks haven't heard what's going on, so I'm so excited to see all the EWTN's doing to really get the word out about the significance of this amendment. We've been involved since 2019 in this fight. Uh, that is when, you know, their Supreme Court in Kansas found a quote-unquote right to abortion hidden in invisible ink in the state constitution, and lawmakers uh, decided that they were going to take this to the people. And unfortunately, then, in 2019, we had some Republican members of the legislature who voted against that initiative. Uh, Students for Life was there with Kansans for Life, and we were door-knocking in uh, their primary in 20, uh, I think 19 or 20, door-knocking. Uh, getting folks out, telling people about, you know, Republicans who weren't voting pro-life at the sure. state house, um, And so we've been following this. So once, once this eventually, we got, you know, this majority there in Topeka who said, yes, let's get to the ballot, we knew we had to act. And so we've got uh, one of our former student alumni, she's out there uh, door knocking, recruiting others to door knock, partnering with Kansans for Life. I was actually there uh, this spring door knocking myself. Um, we'll have some students flying and busing in by the end of summer as well. Wow, very exciting. And, you know, speak to me about your strategy at Students for Life to engage young people all over the country mm. in this fight to end abortion. You know, how does it impact your ability to to activate when it comes to something like the Value Than Both Amendment? I think it's a really great example for students of, of why getting involved matters and, this, and the difference that they can create in the world, the transformation that they can make by getting involved. This isn't just, you know, having a fight on Twitter with somebody who disagrees uh, with your opinion on abortion. This is going door to door uh, and educating voters and asking them to go out and vote for life and to affirm in this case, that the Kansas Constitution does not say uh, women have the right to pay someone to end the life of their child. Mm. Um, and I think that that's what these sorts of fights, you know, whether we're talking about this specific ballot referendum or when we get into later into the fall, into the 2022 midterms, um, this gives young people a way to really put their pro-life beliefs into action. Mm, I love it. And I also wanted to hear from you from some feder on the federal level um, about the left's response to Roe. You you recently commented on the case of a 10-year-old girl who was raped. Mm. Uh, she reportedly traveled from Ohio to Indiana to receive an abortion. And, uh, you know, President Biden amplified this, focusing on the fact that this girl needs an abortion rather than the fact that she was raped. What are your thoughts on all of this? I was 
outraged when I heard the president. He literally highlighted this case. At the time, we didn't even have the full facts. We, sure. He never mentioned the rapist, if the girl had been removed from, you know, was she living with the rapist? You know, was she being protected? Never mentioned any sexual assault healing, um, anything that she would actually have to, will now have to go through. He simply used this case uh, to make a political speech, because seconds after talking about this tragic story, he says, and now you have to go out and vote. He, he used the sexual assault of a 10-year-old to tell people to go out and vote for Democrats in November. Mm. And it was outrageous as a mother to think of, I mean, we have all, you have young children, whether it's your child or your grandchild, to think of your 10-year-old daughter or your grandchild being raped, becoming pregnant, and then to have the president of the United States go on national TV and not talk about helping her, simply talking about ending human life and then using it as a justification to vote for Democrats. It was morally outrageous. Mm. And every American should be appalled by what he did. Right. And also, last week on Friday, Democrats in the House voted on two radical abortion bills. You know, Senator Elizabeth Warren, she's calling for a crackdown on pro-life pregnancy centers. What do <laughs> Democrats hope to achieve when the majority of Americans reject their agenda on this? Yeah, I... The gaslighting of the abortion industry has become so clear. So for years, we've been told in the pro-life movement, and I hear this all the time, and I'm sure you have, right. that pro-lifers don't care about women. We don't do anything to help women after they don't choose abortion. We just want them barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen. <laughs> they always ignore that we have 3,000 pregnancy resource centers, 400 maternity homes, that we've been supporting, sustaining an entire social safety network for 50 years. Right? They've just completely ignored it. Now we have the left coming out and saying, oh, yeah, they have all of these places, but we want to shut them down. <laughs> or we want to blow them up or vandalize them. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable what you're hearing, the rhetoric that you're hearing, the fact that the mainstream media isn't even holding these people accountable. I mean, think about Senator Warren saying this. The, the person, the, the media person they're talking to should be saying, wait a minute. You don't think women who simply don't want to have an abortion that may need help with diapers or formula shouldn't get that help? Mm -hmm. Because I've been in the Planned Parenthoods pregnant. They do not have formula. They don't have diapers. They don't have parenting classes. They don't have access to maternity clothes. They don't do any of that. That is exactly what this, this entire social safety network that we've set up has done. Right. Right. Well, we have to keep exposing them for, you know. I don't know what memo they're reading. Right. Because, I mean, like, <laughs> nothing that you're reading, no conversation that you have about abortion. Do you find people who say, yes, I want abortion all nine months mm. for whatever reason, even if, if, the, if the child's a girl and the mom doesn't want a girl, I'm okay with that and should be taxpayer funded. Nobody says that. Right. Well, thank you so much for joining us and for your insight on this. Kristen Hawkins Thanks of Students for, for Life. Now, how did Kansans get in this mess? Just like Democrats on the federal level, Democrat Governor Laura Kelly and liberal activist judges are working to pay back the abortion lobby by making abortion their religion. Though she parades as a moderate, airing ads in which she literally walks in the middle of the road, Kelly closed down churches and grocery stores but kept abortuaries open during the COVID-19 mayhem. The state's strongly pro-life attorney general, Derek Schmidt, is running to hopefully replace Kelly as governor. He explained to us why these primary elections are so pivotal for the future of the Sunflower State. I am here with Attorney General Derek Schmidt of Kansas. Thank you so much for joining me. 
Thank you for coming to Kansas. Of course. Talk to me about the landscape in Kansas. What did pro-life laws look like before Governor Kelly took office? I know the state legislature has a history of advancing pro-life legislation. That's true. Kansas had a long history of not only having pro-life laws on the books, but having nearly all of them passed with bipartisan support in the mm -hmm. legislature. So we built sort of one block upon another for many, many years, and then all of a sudden, uh, with Governor Kelly in office and her support for uh, this Supreme Court decision that has put these laws in jeopardy, uh, we're now in a posture of trying to uh, hold very firm to the gains we've already made. Right. And, you know, Governor Kelly, she's running as a middle-of-the-road candidate. She hasn't said much about the overturn of Roe versus Wade or the value them both amendment itself. But talk to me about just how extreme her policies are when it comes to abortion. Well, Laura Kelly is no moderate generally, and she's no moderate on the abortion issue in particular. Her voting record as a state legislator, plus her advocacy as governor, quiet because she doesn't like to be noticed by most Kansans sure. on this issue. Uh, but her advocacy has been for extreme public funding, for no restrictions on access to abortion up until the moment of birth. She said she was pleased, that was her phrase, when the Kansas Supreme Court struck down the prohibition on dismemberment abortion. Uh, she has not been a supporter of parental notification or consent laws for minors. So her views are out of the mainstream, and I think most Kansans will understand that. Right, and I know back during COVID, she, you know, closed down churches but kept abortion clinics open. It's really just extreme. Um, talk to me about what it's been like to serve as attorney general with her as governor. I imagine it's been difficult to stand up for pro-life legislation. Well, that's true. Certainly a lot of pro-life legislation was enacted in Kansas over the past 20 years. And then uh, during Governor Kelly's tenure, while I've served as attorney general, the challenge really has been defending those laws when they're challenged in court. Of course, our office, the attorney general's office, has been the principal defender for those laws, as we are for state laws generally. That's the role. Uh, we've been very successful in federal court. In fact, I don't think we've lost a case yet in federal court under federal law challenging Kansas abortion laws, which is why the other side, with the governor's support, switched to a new strategy of trying to persuade state courts mm -hmm. to invent new state rights uh, and strike down Kansas uh, uh, pro-life laws. And they have so far had some success. Mm -hmm. But the voters are going to make a decision here before very long. And I always say, from the standpoint of the Attorney General's office, what's really going on is that the Value Them Both Amendment is an appeal to the people. It's an appeal of the Kansas Supreme Court's decision. Right. And so on August 2nd, voters will have a chance to vote on that amendment. They'll also be voting in the governor primary in which you're running. Talk to me about how you would work to start rebuilding, you know, building back up those blocks that protect uh, to the pro-life people of Kansas and advance laws that they support. Absolutely. I think the top priority needs to be to successfully defend and preserve the laws already on the books. We need to not take steps backwards. And we have some very strong pro-life laws already on the books in Kansas. Uh, so that, assuming that we can pass value them both and that that's the decision of Kansas voters, I think the first step is to shore up those existing laws. Sure. Uh, we have lawsuits pending right now that we're defending against challenging some of those laws. And uh, we will uh, no doubt make sure that the courts are aware of what the voters decide uh, once they adopt value them both. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, beyond that, then Kansas will be in the same position as the rest of the country, assuming value than both passes. Uh, it's a post-Roe era, in the, given the Dobbs decision, and it will be up to Kansans themselves to decide through their elected representatives what the law in Kansas ought to be. Uh, my own view is that there's still room for progress and that we ought to have as our uh, objective every day decreasing, not increasing, the number of abortions in this state. Uh, the number has increased sharply under Governor Kelly's leadership, and we'll work every day to reverse that. Mm. And one final question. We were spending some time with pro-life canvassers out in the field in Kansas this morning. They told us they've experienced some instance, instances of violence and hostility from pro-abortion people in the state, signs getting stolen, a church was vandalized in uh, Kansas City. Talk to me about how we should respond as people of faith, people in the pro-life movement, to these hostile acts. Well, I think we always have to respond with love even when it's very difficult to do so. Sure. And of course, these acts are repugnant. Uh, vandalism and violence are never proper responses to any political debate, and that is certainly true uh, in the context of Value Them Both and the pro-life discussions that are happening now. Uh, but those of us uh, uh, on the pro-life side need to make sure that we always respond with dignity and that uh, we don't uh, sort of meet fire with fire. Uh, we, we take the high road on this. Mm. Well, General Schmidt, we're very thankful for your pro-life leadership. Good luck in your race. Thank you very much. Thanks. Coming up, we'll hear from Archbishop Joseph Nauman of Kansas City, who has been working to engage Catholics in the fight to protect the littlest Kansans. And we bring you straight into the Kansas suburbs with canvassers from Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America to hear from voters themselves about how they plan to vote on the Value Them Both Amendment. Welcome back to EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Archbishop Joseph Nauman is a leader in the church who has always advocated for the lives of the unborn. Now he's urging Catholics in his state to cast their ballots in favor of the Value Them Both Amendment. Nauman has spoken with clarity about how we in the church must always oppose abortion, as this is a preeminent moral issue. He strongly supported Archbishop Cordiglione's recent move to bar House Speaker Nancy Pelosi from receiving communion due to her brutal support for abortion. We spoke with the Archbishop about the importance of Catholics engaging in the public sphere, even those who live in states that are increasingly becoming more pro-abortion, like New York and California. I am here in the Archdiocese of Kansas City with Archbishop Joseph Nauman. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Prudence, for the chance to be with you and your viewers. Of course. Archbishop Nauman, I'd like to ask you about your thoughts on the overturn of Roe versus Wade. How have Kansans responded to this amazing victory? Well, I, you know, I think certainly within the church and within the pro-life community, it's been a cause for great celebration. And for many of us, myself included, I was not sure I would ever see this day. So I think for many of us, it's been like the, the Berlin Wall coming down. Right. Uh, almost something that we thought would, would never happen, um, but an answer to prayers. And uh, there's so many people in the pro-life movement and network that have worked heroically and sacrificed heroically to, to make this possible. But of course, there, there are others um, that have become convinced, I think, because of 50 years of legalized abortion that we can't survive as a society without the ability to kill our own children. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, it, it's really tragic to, to, and 
to see the viciousness and um, you know unfortunately we've, we've had at least one episode of vandalism at one of our churches here but a lot of other uh, stealing of signs and defacing of, of our signs and kind of organized efforts and what I would call almost bullying uh, by the the opponents of the amendment here in Kansas um, so it's energized both sides mm -hmm. and uh, this effort here in Kansas to pass this amendment is really going to be about turnout who who turns out to the polls on August the 2nd. Right, absolutely. And, you know, overturning Roe versus Wade, it brings that debate back to the states. And like you said, that debate has become very real here in Kansas with this value them both amendment on the ballot on August 2nd. How has the Catholic Church really engaged in making sure voters know about the value them both amendment and the importance of getting out to vote on August 2nd? The church, we've, you know, um, our, our approach to pro-life is comprehensive, and part of it is advocacy. And, um, you know, the church in the United States here, since I, its very inception, uh, Archbishop Carroll thought it was not appropriate for us to endorse candidates, uh, politicians, right. or parties. And so the church has chosen never to do that. And I mm -hmm. think that was a wise decision that we don't want to stake the church's reputation to any particular politician or party. I see, yes. But uh, but this is not, it's not a vote on a politician or a, it's a vote on an issue. And this is something that the church needs to be engaged with um, to form our people, especially on an issue that's so clear in its moral di dimensions as right. this one. You know, Archbishop, Kansas is a pro-life state where hopefully soon there will be an opportunity again to pass pro-life laws. but. What's your advice to Catholics living in states that are controlled by Democrats, where soon, potentially, abortion could be legal up until the moment of birth? Well, I think, you know, the, another important part of our, our pro-life apostolate is education. And I think we've got to reach minds and change hearts. Mm -hmm. and, and by that, you know, not the way that our opponents try to do things with violence and uh, with bullying, but by simply presenting people with the truth. And, uh, you know, I think we, we've seen some incredible conversions, you know, in these past 50 years. Mm -hmm. And um, people like Bernard Nathanson or Abby Johnson. Right. And so I, I think we, we don't have enemies. We just have pro-lifers who haven't yet been converted. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yes. I think we have to work on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I also wanted to get your thoughts on just the state of our church right now. You know, we have a president who claims to be Catholic, um, but he promotes abortion up until the moment of birth. He's in the middle of instituting and playing out a whole of government response that would force Americans everywhere, many of them who are pro-life, people of faith, to pay for abortions with taxpayer dollars, to, you know, just step aside while abortion becomes the law of the land once again. Um, how how should we respond to these self-proclaimed, these baptized Catholics like Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi as authentic Catholics trying to live out our faith? Well, I think we have to pray for them. We have to pray uh, for conversion of their hearts. But I, I think we also have to call them out. And I think as a bishop, I have a particular responsibility because mm -hmm. when they say they're devout Catholics and then they do, these um, egregious things against life and, and you know, are zealously 
promoting abortion and mm -hmm. the president's case saying he's going to bring every power of the federal government to keep abortion legal to preserve Roe versus Wade. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that we have to, they begin to usurp the role of the bishop and they're teaching people, hey, I'm Catholic and I'm doing this and you can be a good Catholic and you can do this as well. Mm. So I think as bishops, we have to uh, say, no, that's not your role. You may be elected and you have a lot of authority in the civil area, mm. but you don't teach what it means to be Catholic and, sure. and certainly what they're doing is not. And I was glad to hear the Pope recently said that uh, President Biden's position is incoherent uh, to be doing what he's doing and then to claim to be Catholic. Archbishop Nauman, thank you so much for joining us and for your courageous and clear leadership on life. God bless you. Thanks, Prudence. Thanks for your work. This is my favorite EWTN show. Oh, <laughs> that's wonderful to hear. Thank you. Thanks. For this week's Pro-Life Focus, we take you straight into the neighborhoods of the Kansas City suburbs to hear from voters themselves about their views on abortion and what's at stake in Kansas. We join canvassers from Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America in Overland Park. In between knocking on doors and speaking with voters, they explain to us how they are working to educate people in the area about the primaries on August 2nd and gave us a glimpse into the day in the life of a canvasser. Canvassers from Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America have been knocking on doors to get the word out about the Value Them Both Amendment. So far, they've made over 200,000 visits to voters at their homes and will keep at it until Election Day. We are here to educate voters to make sure that they know exactly what this amendment is going to do. The canvassers we spoke with told us they are glad to be doing this important work to educate voters about what the amendment would do, especially because many they've met don't actually have the facts about the issue and current abortion laws in Kansas. There's a lot of misinformation coming um, spreading across Kansas. People will answer the door and say, oh, abortion's illegal now. Um, and we know that's that's not the case. And when they're educated and they're given the truth on the amendment, right. we see more and more people saying, oh, yes, you know, I believe abortion should be regulated. I'm not okay with my tax dollars funding it. I am not okay with late-term abortion. One of the canvassers, Angelique Clark, tells us she met a voter who claimed to be pro-abortion. But after a patient conversation, Angelique was able to help this woman see the truth about abortion. Ultimately, the voter agreed to vote yes on the Value Them Both Amendment. And she eventually acknowledged that life um, is precious in the womb, and she just wouldn't have an abortion, but she wouldn't want to tell other people what to do. Wow. So I told her, well, this is, you know, a moral issue, and we do impose our morality and other issues that we vote on, um, so why is abortion different? Wow. And so she came to the realization that, like, true. We were able to speak to a voter that morning who told us why he and his wife plan to vote yes on August 2nd. We got to look out for our future generation and that is our future generation. Yes. And we have to protect love the babies and they deserve a chance. Yes. Amen. They cannot speak. And when asked what his fellow Kansans should do, he said, if you're at doubt, please get informed and go on from there because it's very important. Great. Somebody's looking out for us. That's right, mm -hmm. yes. That's why that's a yes vote. 
If you live in Kansas, make sure you get to the polls and vote yes on the Value Them Both Amendment. Early voting has already started and Election Day is on August 2nd. That does it for this edition of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Until next time, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on social media at EWTN Pro-Life on all social media platforms. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're there. You can also send us a message by emailing ProLifeWeekly at EWTN.com. We love to hear from you. Remember, life is a gift. Your life is a gift. God bless.